certainly missed that one, uh, Moss, and uh, Ndiabule Alamdagwetu has certainly been demorong up. I did miss that particular, uh, I, I guess, a segment where the president did make an apology uh, to uh, Julius Malema and Oakwake uh, Meman Malema, and uh, sharing there, of course, uh, a tweet from Ms. Timbile Tele, where EFF leader Julius Malema accepting the president's apology and offering one himself, saying that he's willing to step down as an MP and a leader of the party. Uh, if anybody uh, were to come forward with proof that he had ever laid a hand on a woman. So the stakes is high. And uh, the president saying, I'm willing to put my head, uh, or I should say the uh, leader of the EFF, saying, I'm willing to put my head on the block. And uh, if indeed somebody does come forward and say that I laid a hand on them, I'm willing to resign as a member of parliament. Now, uh, uh, I just wanted to clear that one up. Uh, but uh, we're now going to take a look at the top business stories that are moving markets on this Thursday. And joining me uh, to help us take a look at some of these stories is uh, uh, the Chief Investment Officer at Benguela Global Fund Managers. And that is Gwabeng uh, Ogwake. Zwelake, good evening to you, my brother. How are you? Good evening, Aya. Good evening to your listeners. Kwabe, uh, I want us maybe to start off here, I guess, with Dudumieni. Uh, and her showing earlier on, I, I mean, I was saying uh, that uh, th- there were some interesting observations that I made. Uh, one of those was uh, a lot said about that 1.5 billion rand profit guarantee from a co-chair agreement with Emirates. Uh, but also, I think uh, Dudumieni really saying uh, this looming specter of white monopoly capital, uh, which uh, continued to get the bulk of procurement at SAA. Uh, that's why they wanted to get her out of the way and uh, also because she was a woman. What do you make of this in light of, uh, I guess, uh, much of the other uh, uh, evidence and maybe much of the other representations that have been made about Tutumieni's role in uh, some of the challenges that we've seen at the national carrier? I think uh, I have, what I can firstly say is that um, this is only the tip of the iceberg. I think uh, there is no doubt that uh, SAA was mismanaged. And uh, I don't think we're even close to understanding what really happened because what was in discussion today was more about the high-level deals. I think the issues around procurement would probably need to come to the fore for us to understand exactly who benefited, who who did what. Mm. But from my perspective, what, what I saw happening today was actually not Dudumian being on trial. It was the fiduciary duties of non-executive directors that was on trial. Mm. And, and I think uh, we are watching this very closely as a firm because as things stand today, there isn't sufficient case law to support the uh, legal prosecution of uh, non-execs. And if this case goes ahead and we get Dudumien uh, declared delinquent, we would actually take notes because we do need something like that in the private sector. And uh, I don't think SAA is the unique case here. I think there are lots of uh, uh, business mismanagement uh, where shareholders lose a lot of money. Mm. On the other hand, in SAA, it's taxpayers. But we think that uh, this case might be quite interesting to observe and maybe give us some uh, cues in terms of uh, uh, dealing with the delinquencies in our listed uh, equity market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I certainly haven't uh, heard in a long time uh, of uh, such a highly publicized case looking into the delinquency of a certain director. And uh, I guess, as you correctly say, it's also, um, you know, some of the responsibilities, fiduciary or otherwise, of directors that are also 
uh, on show and on trial in this particular matter. L- let's take a look as well, I could just briefly at uh, what came out of Woolworths here, cutting their dividend, but also seeing uh, certainly their sales coming in a lot weaker. And uh, I'm quite interested in what you make of that fashion retail business uh, when you uh, look at it in comparison to a food business that has grown 8.1%. Yeah, look, uh, I think Woolworths is in trouble, but uh, a lot of the trouble is uh, self-inflicted. Uh, and I think uh, uh, there are two issues that one can uh, put down on Woolworths. Uh, I mean, the numbers aside, the one was capital allocation. Uh, and again, you and I have spoken a lot about the uh, South African CEOs who pursue uh, opportunities in developed markets mm-hmm. while they themselves have no experience of operating those markets and underestimating the level of uh, competition in those markets. So I think that came through quite strongly in the Woolworths numbers uh, in, in terms of the David Jones and, and how they they, they squandered uh, 21 billion rents of uh, shareholders' money there. The other issue was uh, in the food and, and, and the fashion uh, business. Yes. I, I think in the food business, I mean, they, they made a a ridiculous uh, comment about how they uh, had stocked uh, food on, in the coastal areas mm. and then people came back uh, <laughs> to the to the cities uh, earlier than they expected so there was <laughs> stock was in the wrong places i mean that that's that's just a, a operational issue and yeah. uh, poor execution uh, uh, and i think they on on the clothing side i mean uh, the performance was uh, atrocious. I think they got the the fashion wrong. The pricing strategy mm. was also wrong. So, so I, I think it's, it's a litany of issues that uh, they face. But I think all boils down to capital allocation and poor operational uh, issues. And I think yeah. we're looking forward to the new governance under uh, the new chairman, uh, Mr. Hubert Brody. Mm. It seems there's a brand ID crisis when it comes to. Uh, you know, the ability of Woolworths to be able to spot the fashion trends or to even maybe go for a much uh, younger demographic when we know historically their demographic has been middle-aged people that are looking for nice cardigans, nice jerseys and nice, uh, you know, uh, other things that I think middle-aged people wear. But let's talk about the environmental factors. I mean, you've touched on one of them, uh, which was maybe from a sourcing perspective, some issues in their food business. But, you know, three things come to mind for me as well. And I'd love to hear your uh, perspective on what impact these are going to have on Woolworths in the next few quarters. One is the bushfires in Australia, where much of their business is. The other one is the coronavirus, and we do know that uh, they do uh, source quite a considerable amount uh, from China when it comes to their fashion and textile business. And then the third one is maybe load shedding here in South Africa. If if you take all three of these combined, uh, all of them are set to have some form of negative impact, maybe on top line or even in some cases on the sourcing side, lead times uh, for Woolworths. Look, I, I think load sharing is a reality, and and I think uh, I can uh, commiserate with them on that. Uh, uh, it is affecting all the businesses in South Africa, so it is not only unique to them. Uh, and I think it's going to be an ongoing issue. I mean, uh, they, they need to deal with that and set up their generators and make sure that uh, there is a backup uh, power. Mm-hmm. And the issue of the coronavirus, I mean, that, that is also a reality, uh, but I think they can't hide behind the coronavirus, for example, when actually what they did is they moved away from their customer. What you described uh, mm. uh, earlier is, is actually quite correct. They actually moved into fast fashion when they had no competence in that area. And when uh, uh, the, their customers, like you said, middle class uh, 
uh, customers. So, so I think the coronavirus is a real issue. It will impact on the supply chains across the board, not only for Woolworths, but I think in their case, they also had an had a, a, a handle where they actually moved away or strayed away from the, their typical customers. Mm-hmm. And then the issue of uh, bushfires in Australia, I mean, again, it's a reality, but I don't think uh, that is a real issue for them. I mean, they, they're far away from the, the bushfires. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I think they, they just uh, were looking for some reasoning. I think they, they actually did make... Uh, quite a big mistake by going into the department store market in, in Australia mm. where it was very competitive and the effect of online retailing is significant in, in that market. And in their own online business, we could see that they, it grew quite uh, uh, substantially. I think it was over 60% growth. So in Australia, that online segment of the market is actually taking a lot of share from typical uh, retailers, the bricks and mortar stores, mm. particularly the department stores. Okay. Let's let's talk briefly here about Musa Group. Uh, we saw the massive headline earlier on today in the business day of a disastrous loan that cost uh, the PIC 1.4 billion rand and all of this coming to light uh, during the liquidation processes uh, being driven by some of uh, uh, you know uh, people that are looking for their money, including the PIC. Talk to us about uh, uh, who is Musa Group, and uh, I guess also um, you know I'm also quite interested in uh, you know why. I mean, the story itself is also written in a very you know uh, I guess salacious manner. I mean, it suggests that this is a company that's founded as it was, yes, by uh, uh, you know African Americans, but also on the other hand, uh, a company. When you look at many of the people who work in it, uh, also has a lot of South Africans. So I guess I don't understand that part, but I certainly do understand some of the issues around uh, interest repayments not being made and uh, uh, the major challenges around uh, this particular allocation being made to Musa Group. Look, uh, I think Musa Capital is a private equity business, mm. as far as I can understand. And uh, I mean, they had allocated some capital to. Uh, a number of uh, investment opportunities. And I think the PIC, what they did is they provided a loan uh, to Musa Capital to be able to implement their strategy of private equity. And I think uh, the candidates or the, the, the people who founded Musa Capital came, uh, some of them came with impressive CVs. But I think the, the point about this uh, uh, situation is that uh, in Investing, I mean, you, you have two components. One is luck and the other one is due diligence. And I think the PIC uh, may have done their due diligence and maybe uh, ran out of luck in this case. And the loan itself is not the biggest, uh, uh, a big component of the PIC uh, asset base. But the, the issue is that was it diligence done thoroughly, and I think we, we have to wait for the commission to come out uh, with some of the findings. But uh, I, I do think that, uh, I mean, the, the private equity business within the PIC has been caught short a few times, and the listed business has been doing very, very well, and I think the, 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 the track record is, uh, has been what has been giving them uh, better returns mm. in, the, in, the, in the portfolio. Okay. How train? Comcom, uh, on the back of their inquiry into the land uh, passenger transport market, has come out saying, eh, it was very short-sighted of us to think 
uh, about making the kind of investment and the kind of subsidies that we've extended to Khaltrain. Uh, What's happening there? Look, I, I can understand what the uh, Comcom is saying in terms of uh, uh, subsidies, basically using the government money to allocate to Khaltrain uh, uh, mm. uh, as a subsidy, but then leaving things like taxis and... Or even metro uh, rail. rail. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think I can understand that, but mm. I think we also have to realize that what the government, or at least Halton is trying, was trying to do. So Halton is essentially a private sector execution that is uh, subsidized by uh, government. Mm. And, and I think what we can see, what is measurable, is the fact that uh, Halton has had uh, 98% uh, 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 t- time uh, management, so they, they, they've been on time 98% of the time. Compared to the uh, public sector-run uh, business that is metro rail, 60 to 80%. So uh, I think we mustn't diss it out uh, completely mm. as a bad decision. But I think the government does need to actually look into the entire infrastructure. I mean, the metro mm. rail, for example, doesn't have sufficient trains at time to uh, carry mm. all the passengers but but, but well, like like should a, you know sh- should the, should the government be subsidizing you know uh, you and i's high speed travel i mean should they look the, the, I, I do think maybe there is a need for a subsidy reason being most of the people that went on on that uh, uh train mm. were actually running away from metro rail and, and they are not necessarily the people that are uh, the highest earning people, but it was more an issue of them uh, being compliant in terms of uh, being on time at work. Mm. So, so I, I do think that uh, there is some value that is being uh, provided by Halton, but the, um, the quantum of the subsidy may be, may be excess, excessive. Uh, and uh, that needs to be looked into. Yeah. But I, I definitely think that the issue of execution is core. Uh, in terms of the differentiator between what Halton mm. does and what uh, the other uh, 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 or Metro Rail does as a, as mm. a service provider. What, what do you make of the numbers? I mean, I, I was looking at 66% of South Africans, South African commuters use minibus taxis, and yet subsidies that go to them uh, constitute less than 1% of all transport subsidies that are made. Uh, it certainly does speak about, I guess, the, the inequity of the allocation of, of these subsidies, because if you think about how many people use taxis relative to, say, you know, the local buses that we have, uh, bus rapid transit systems uh, in many of our metros, they, you get a sense of a, of a system here that is really out of kilter with where commuter and consumer behavior is actually moving towards. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think the, the amount or the, the quantum of the allocation to something like a how train is actually too significant mm. when you look at uh, the fact that uh, the minibus taxes are getting uh, less than 1%. So I, I definitely agree with that. But I, I think what we also need to, to look at is do we have the infrastructure to make the minibus taxes uh, run on time mm. uh, without interfering with the other uh, road users? The second thing is that the, how do we resolve the thing, something like a metro rail? I mean, uh, in other countries like, for example, the U.K., where trains are a major form of transport, uh, the, the standard of performance and execution is very high. Mm. And I think we could all rely on trains, uh, uh, even the metro rail, mm. if 
their execution was was very good. So I think the allocation needs to be adjusted more towards sure, enhancing sure. execution. And to also integrate the two systems. I mean, if, if, if the how train works well, then it already says to me that the skill and the capability to have a high-performance uh, train system or a subway system, as uh, they say in some other countries, is already here in this country. It's a question of uh, where yeah. do we allocate some of those resources. And I think even for the taxis, I mean, you know, for me, the subsidies are a massive uh, uh, leverage point for the government when it comes to safety, when it comes to compliance with uh, road rules. Uh, and I think let's start to use that a bit more. I, I fully agree with you. I, th- I, I think it's a, it's a valid point. Mm. Kwabe, let's leave it there, my brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, really appreciate it uh, that there was a chief investment officer at uh, Benguela Global Fund Managers, uh, Zwila Kimguni, speaking to us this evening for our wrap of the top uh, business stories here on uh, Metro FM Talk.